from the silver screen to the printed page to the woods behind your house, incredible creatures are everywhere. For as long as I can remember, monsters have populated the landscape of my imagination. As a kid, I wanted to learn as much as I could about these legendary figures, and it turns out, I still do. I'm Mark Matsky, and this is Monster Study Group. Welcome to a very special edition of Monster Study Group. We're exactly one week out from Halloween, and that's a pretty good time of year when you're involved in the study of monsters. It doesn't get much better than this. I've got a couple news items to start the show today. First of all, Small Town Monsters The Mothman Legacy is now in wide release. You can find it just about anywhere you get your movies. I'd highly recommend it, of course. It's been pretty exciting to see our buddy Seth promoting the film. He was on WGN one morning last week. That was pretty amazing stuff. And we hope that that only continues. So please, if you have the time and inclination, check out The Mothman Legacy. Tells the story of what happened in Point Pleasant, West Virginia after the events of 1967. The next Small Town Monsters project, which is entitled The Mark of the Bell Witch, is almost completely locked and finished. The final steps of production are underway and may even be complete by the time you listen to this. And I'm extremely excited about it. Maybe more excited than uh, anything since Invasion on Chestnut Ridge. And that's really saying something. Uh, This is going to come out in December is the last time I heard, and I think that's still going to hold true, Uh, but this one really exceeded my expectations in every single way. And I um, just really, I, I can't wait for you to see both the historical section and the recreations that I and my wife were involved in acting for. Andy is a cinematographer on this film, and a lot of his work is included in it, too. So that's um, something we're really looking forward to, and I'm, I'm really excited. I, I'm sure that I'll be talking more about that in the future. Another continuing theme that I just wanted to raise for a moment today is the excellent series by Subaraya Productions, called Ultraman Zet. And currently those episodes are being uploaded to YouTube every Friday night. I wait till Saturday morning to watch them just as sort of a reliving of Saturday morning cartoons and so forth. But the latest episode was just one in the string of amazing and um, sort of honoring the past episodes that Ultraman Zet has become known for, and in this case, there were a number of callbacks to Ultra Q, which was just extremely rewarding for a fan of the whole Ultra franchise. I hope that you're you're checking it out. If you're not, it's on the Ultraman official page on YouTube. New episodes are added every Friday into Saturday, 
And there's tons more Ultraman stuff that's going up on their official page all the time, including past episodes from other series, and there is new content being added. It's an excellent time to be an Ultraman fan. It, the access that we have is more than ever. Speaking of Ultra Q, I am continuing to contribute to Monster Kid Radio, a Rondo award-winning podcast that covers classic horror and science fiction films. Right now, I think I've covered eight episodes of Ultra Q with uh, episode nine coming up uh, for next Thursday. That has just been a ton of fun, and it means a whole lot to me to be involved with a podcast that I have so much respect for. Derek M. Cook does an incredible job uh, reaching out to his fans and really catering to their tastes. Great job, Derek. Thank you so much for including me as a small, small part of Monster Kid Radio history. And I will just continue to crank out beta capsule reviews until you tell me that I can't. One of the outcomes of being on Monster Kid Radio was hearing an interview with the renowned horror movie scholar David Scal. And that resulted in me picking up a book for my dad's birthday. Uh, my dad likes classic horror and sci-fi as well. Uh, he was even on our former podcast, uh, Monsterland Ohio Radio, with my son, Andy, and me. And so he has good takes of his own that he can give regarding a lot of these genre films. So the long and short of it is I heard the interview of Mr. Scal on Monster Kid Radio promoting his new book, Fright Favorites, 31 Movies to Haunt Your Halloween and Beyond. And after listening to the interview, it occurred to me that this would be a good birthday present for my dad. So I got him the book and gave him the book. And he's not only read the whole thing, but he's written a review for Goodreads. And I thought it would be fun to read that review for you right now. As Halloween approaches, what better book to read than Fright Favorites? It will put you in the mood for the marathon of spooky movies that can be found on cable channels at this time of the year. 31 movies are given a brief review complete with iconic stills from the Fright Faves. Included are cast lists, along with producers and directors and the year of release for each film. It spans movie history from 1922's Nosferatu to 2017's Get Out. Each film discussion concludes with a sidebar that begins with the words, if you liked blank, then you will like blank. If you enjoy the horror genre, you enjoy reading this book and you will find it to be a handy resource when questions come up about some of the most memorable fright favorites in movie history. And again, that was by my dad, Gerald Matsky, reviewing David J. Scal's Fright Favorites. So pick it up. It's a great time of year. Uh, the price is the lowest, I think, that I've seen it on Amazon right now, but it's available just about anywhere you get your books. All right, so having said all that, it's time for the main event of this week's episode, and it is a reunion of sorts 
for quite a while, my son Andy and I recorded a podcast entitled Monsterland Ohio Radio. It was the official podcast of a blog that we had started in 2009, simply entitled Monsterland Ohio on the Blogspot platform. And so this was a continuation of the blog. We would just talk about all sorts of things, whatever we were watching, whether it was Ultraman, Godzilla, classic horror. We even branched out into covering conventions and small town monsters trips that we went on. We just had a really great experience doing it together. That led into Andy and I recording 30 or so episodes of Sasswhat, a podcast about Bigfoot after Seth left the show to do other things for a time. I was left by myself and ultimately decided to continue recording with Andy as my co-host. But then things got busy. We kind of floated away from that. So we really hadn't recorded with one another for quite some time until today. And so what you're about to hear is a conversation between Andy and myself digging into Halloween hits. In other words, we're going to take a look at what we would choose for a Halloween night movie marathon. I'm very excited for this next segment. This is a moment I've waited for for a long time to actually have a guest on the show and the guest, you are my first guest ever and probably will be the only guest unless I can get Grampy to do it with me sometime. So. My guest is my son, Andy. Andy, welcome to Monster Study Group. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I'm a big fan of the show. Oh, my goodness. Really? Uh, yeah. I've listened to four <laughs> episodes, I think. <laughs> I was churning them out there for a while. Yeah, I'm, I'm way behind. But That's okay. I mean, that the, the show is such that it's really not time-specific, mm -hmm. so... You can use it at your leisure. People seem to like it, though, and that makes me really happy. There's a small group of people who seem to get it. Yeah, for listeners at home, I had no clue Monster Study Group was happening. I knew for a while both of us had talked about returning to podcasting in, like, various forms. I've thought about, like, four podcast ideas over the years, and we'd both, like thought of our own thing of returning to podcast them and 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 it just sort of happened it like you're like oh i started i don't think you even told me did you tell even tell me you started a new show you were just working on something new and i was like yeah. oh that's great because whenever you're working on something it's really cool to see and then it was oh it's a podcast and it's perfect it's like what oh you had told me you wanted to work on like a right like that type of show but besides that i had no clue this was coming right well and in part i think that's due to the fact that you're very busy with school and you're playing a sport and this in fact i mean that gave me the time to do the recording i mean i had to do something mm -hmm. and the anchor app is so easy to use that it it was what i was waiting for in terms of an iphone podcast recording platform where you really don't have to do anything except talk into a phone and boom 
So, so it's been fun, and I'm glad to have you back on because obviously uh, some listeners may know this, but others may not. You and I have a history of podcasting together. We did a show called Monsterland Ohio Radio and then took over the Sasswet podcast for a run of shows. And anything, any reflections that you want to give on that process before we move into our topic for today? Well, I think with there seems to be a resurgence of Fortean crypto-related podcasts and the sort of have already been in and out of it is kind of weird. Like, there's something about it that it's like, oh, yeah, I used to do that back when I was a little little guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sure, it's true. And it's true. And, but it was, it was a great time, and I loved every minute of it, and one day it will happen again. I think one day the, the, the Andy Matsky podcast will come back. Just, just, you guys wait. It'll happen one day. <laughs> When I'm 65 years old and finally not having anything else going on. You can just, by then you can just talk into the air and yeah. it'll turn into a podcast. And it'll somehow. already be broadcasting <laughs> to six people. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, uh, that's awesome. And I that's interesting that you said that because it's true. I mean, there's a proliferation of paranormal podcasts out there these days and you're a veteran at this point which is very odd to think about but it's it's so weird it's nonetheless true and you've talked to a number of very interesting people as a result um some of them including people like victoria price and uh, other you know pretty interesting people are are um abbott and costello uh, tribute show interview is still out there if people want to listen to that um it's one of the the monsterland ohio radio shows that made the cut and i would i would recommend people listen to that um sadly joe's no longer with us but it's a great memory of a very specific time in our history and uh, a good tribute to monster bash as well so back in the day when you could go to conventions and things like that yeah you weren't just stuck in your home <laughs> talking to phones talking to phones. <laughs> so that's kind of going to be the um the halloween that we all experience this year is much different than past halloweens but one thing that we've done for years and years anyway is have a ha- halloween monster movie marathon on halloween night and this, i this year you can do what we've done Every year. Yeah, right. (laughs) Let us show you how. You're stuck at home during Halloween? It's better this way. (laughs) Trust us. Yeah, and then the next... Buy candy for yourself. Right. And if you really want to be smart, go out to Target the next day. day And all the candy in the world is half off. So that takes us to our topic. We wanted to program our own... Halloween movie marathon. And so Andy and I each came up with our lists. We did not want to overlap, so we coordinated ahead of time. And so we're going to present to you some suggestions, and you'll get a sense of what our preferences are 
far as spooky movies are concerned, and you know, I probably will end up actually doing at least a partial viewing of this list, uh, at least leading up to Halloween night. So, Andy, why don't you get us going? Uh, what would be your lead-off marathon movie? Well, for my list, I sort of like create a little theme, as you will see. And um, the theme is the fact that all the classic monster movies are sort of like a precursor to what we would now call a shared universe. And all like the characters know each other. Like this is mm. around the same time as that like comic books were pioneering that all the their main characters knew each other too. But um, my leadoff movie would be um, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman which is sort of like the first time that, you know, two headlining acts collided on screen. Um, of course, uh, Lon Chaney Jr. is the Wolfman, and I'm not quite sure who plays Frankenstein, because that was always a... Um, yeah, that was revolving through these Universal Monster Rally movies. You know, Boris Karloff was the iconic one and as i frantically looked through imdb <laughs> it was was oh it was bella lugosi it's bella lugosi i think yep thank you internet for compensating for my lack of research beforehand <laughs> um but it's it's great it's sort of like all all monster movies when you sort of get past like the initial one-offs sort of tries to end the monster's careers at the end of the movie. And then it, it turns out in the next one that that didn't work or something's different. A ghost keeps knocking on our door. Yeah. Um, and then my next movie would be House of Dracula, which is a underrated crossover monster movie. Um... I'm pretty sure if we're going to try to, like, make a canon of monster movies, it's not quite there. Because it's got, like, I think there's some effects of the past few movies, but it sort of takes its own turn. But this has, like, all the monsters. This is, like, Dracula, and isn't there a Wolfman, and Frankenstein's in it, and Igor's in it, and the Mad Scientist is in it. It's a, it's awesome. We saw this. I saw this for the first time at Monster Bash, one of our first years, and it was sort of like, whoa, this is out there still, and that was, that was really cool. And what list of shared universe monster movies would be complete without Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, the one that's sort of famous for it all, uh, a movie that's known to be one of the first genre mashups. And one of my favorite movies of all time, a classic, classic movie, um, and a movie I saw very, very young that was very formative and is one of those films that I sort of thought everyone saw as a young kid, and it's only now that I'm sort of more out in the cruel world that I realize less and less people have seen Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. And That's sad. Maybe if they did, the world would be a... A different place. I have no doubt. And and then my sort of 
my sort of surprise, one you truly might not have heard of before, is um, Santo and the Blue Demon meet them, or yeah, versus the monsters. Oh yeah, which is this Mexican monster movie where, for those who don't know, <laughs> Santo and the Blue Demon are wrestlers, like. What what's the word? I'm blanking on the word. Luchador. Yeah, luchador wrestlers, yeah. and they fight monsters. And if I'm correct, it's your classic <laughs> Frankenstein, Wolfman, Dracula, and then there's a Cyclops. Yes. <laughs> yep, there's a Cyclops, and it's absolutely amazing. There's a, also like a weird mushroom guy, if I remember <laughs> right. right. Weird stuff. About as weird as you can get. This movie might be a little tricky to find. Who knows these days, but there might be scenes on there's YouTube. Got, you got to check it out. Like I'm sure you could just find posters, and from the posters, you'll truly get yeah. a good idea what what you're in for with this movie. And it, I, we saw that at Monster Bash in the Mexican Monster yeah. Movie Night. So I think it helps to be seeing that movie late at night. Late. Yeah. Having just eaten a bean burrito yeah, from Taco Bell. <laughs> you want to be a little bit out of it. <laughs> and then you'll have a great time. That'll be it'll en- enhanced experience. <laughs> yeah. Give it give it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, there's Yeah, I was right. It's Oh, and there's mummies, vampires, <laughs> wolfmen and the cyclops. Aren't there scenes, am I getting this right, where there's kind of like a headquarters where all the monsters... I'm pretty sure that's true. That's where, like, the little mushroom man... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. really. that's awesome. It is quite... That's good. And we have a copy of it because of Monster Bash acquisitions. That's pretty much... I've said this a couple times, I think, on this show in particular is a lot of these hard-to-find films, the place to go is the monster movie conventions when they're being held, because typically there's at least one video dealer who has... Everything. Everything, you know, printed the labels at home. <laughs> yeah, you'll... there's not much you can't find. Which is, I mean, if they're out of print, then I don't know how else yeah. someone would be able to see them. I want to go back to a couple of the movies on your yeah, list. Yeah, I sort of sped through that. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I just wanted to say, like, for, for instance, um, House of Dracula, that is got one of the best opening sequences, I think, of many monster movies. It's so creepy. Because you remember they break out? Yeah, it's a dark and stormy night. Yeah. And there's, like, something with stagecoaches, like the the mad scientist and meets Dracula. <laughs> yeah. And it's just very creepy. Sorry, Dracula fans. Dracula dies within, like, the first 15 minutes of the movie. And it's creepy, too. It is a creepy. The effects they have in it are pretty cool. But, like, I don't know why, but these movies where it's really rainy outside and stagecoaches get stuck. And I guess what that's also making me think of is Freaks, Mm -hmm. the stagecoach. Oh, there's also a hunchback. Oh, yeah, the hunchback. (laughs) Yep, exactly. So that, I really like that movie as well. And, of course, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein is just... The story of that being made is so interesting, too. And the um, the inclusion of Vincent Price's voice at the mm-hmm. end is just sort of a... As the Invisible Man. Yeah. Spoilers, but mm-hmm. it's great. 
It's like it's got a good cast too. John Carradine as Dracula in House of Dracula. Mm-hmm. And Lon Chaney Jr. as as the Wolfman. And then you got Glenn Strange as Frankenstein's monster. Right. Who also was Frankenstein. And yeah. And there's great you can even see it in the movie if you're looking super carefully, the scene where Lou Costello sits down on Frankenstein's lap. And you can see Glenn Strange is just trying to hold it in, but it, mm-hmm. how hard it was for them to do that. The other thing I think is interesting with both of the the movies that the Wolfman is in is how the Larry Talbot character is made like super sympathetic. Like he you he really is comes off as sort of a good person, just yeah. sort of tortured. And especially in Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Yeah. That's like it's it's interesting that that's thrown in in the way it is. Mm-hmm. Gives like one of them heart, even though he's trying to. He he tears up couches. Yeah, and stuff. right. And I think it shows his his ability as an actor. I mean, he's pretty much remembered today for Wolfman, and then the movie of Mice and Men, where he really showed he was a high cal- caliber actor. But I think he got stereotyped as a monster movie guy. But he really was was quite good. So yeah, that makes me really want to watch the Santo movie yeah. now that you brought that up. I don't think I've we've seen it since. I don't think we the have time either. We watched. You have to give yourself time to recover. Yeah, it's been about three years. I think it's time we can try to watch it again. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, should I move on to my list, or are there any other comments that you'd like to make move on to your list? Okay. I'm just going to do three movies because I would also choose Abbott and Costello. I think that's the, of it's like a non-negotiable for Halloween or any day of the year that you want to be entertained. A movie I just saw again last night, getting ready for this today, was uh, The Island of Lost Souls from 1932, starring Charles Lawton and Bella Lugosi as the Sayer of the Law. Um, just this movie is so great in terms of the world that it builds and the weirdness of the animal human creations of Dr. Moreau, Mm -hmm. the way that they portray those, um, is sort of, it's, well, obviously, I mean, it's all practical effects. So they had to make up all of these different people. And I watched it with the commentary by Greg Mank. And he said that a lot of the the animal people were wrestlers. So that made me think of Mighty Joe Young, you know, where he mm-hmm. does that tug of war with the wrestlers. So you can kind of see that in the physique of some of the people. But then others were just like little people and others to give that variety. And allegedly there's a bunch of Hollywood sort of B-movie legends in the big scenes. They made up oh, people really? like Buster Crab and... Oh, wow. You just got in on it for one night. And it's scenes like that, too, that are so, so cool, where you get that first reveal of the the animal people and their little village. Yeah. And Dr. Moreau's standing up there in his white suit and his whip. And but I think the, the bottom line in that film is Charles Lawton's performance as Dr. Moreau is so creepy because you can see him like putting all of his little plans together and he's 
he's really enjoying it way too much. <laughs> and even at the end where the the animal people get their revenge, you know, the Mank brings this up. He says, now listen, when he starts getting tortured on the table, is he shrieking or is he laughing? And it's hard to tell when you think of it mm -hmm. that way. But such a good, it, it's like the pre-code 1930s horror film. And what's interesting is that was a Paramount movie. And that was coming out at the same time as like the original Frankenstein. So there was just, that was Paramount's yeah. pitch to get into the horror movie arena. And they, they went all out. Mank throughout the whole commentary tells you what scenes got cut and where, according to censors. Mm -hmm. And like Quebec, hardly saw any of the movie, apparently, <laughs> because of all the stuff that got cut out between dialogue and sound effects and entire scenes, because wow. it was just deemed too controversial. I guess the two things that made it so controversial, one was the idea of vivisection, which is operating and like dissecting something that's alive specifically and then the breeding between animal and human and that was i mean today it's like moviegoers i think you don't even you're like yeah, okay that's a common <laughs> trope now yeah but back then that evidently was gigantically scandalous i haven't seen that movie in a long time but i remember it being really creepy mm-hmm and like it's a classic. I think it's it's like you're saying it was coming out at the same time as all these others and should be remembered with them and it's left out I think a lot. Mm -hmm. That's a shame. Lugosi really is only in two main scenes, but he makes a huge impression and he's heavily made up partially because at that point he just wanted to be working and he'd take the role that you gave him. But some people have alleged that he allowed himself to be heavily made up like that to prove to the studio that he could do those roles also. And there's, you know, a lot of legendary backstage talk about how Lugosi had been considered for the original Frankenstein role and then passed over and because he maybe objected to that much makeup. And then this was like, mm -hmm. he regretted that and he wanted to show and prove that he could do it. And he does like, you can totally tell it's Lugosi, but it's not just, like, Dracula with makeup. He he's yeah. creates a different character and and makes a huge impression. All right, the next movie also is a Lugosi starring vehicle, and this one also has Boris Karloff. It is The Black Cat. Um, the th weird thing about this movie is that there's really no monsters involved unless you count human monsters. And then there's uh, lots of creepiness to go around. Uh, this was, um, this movie was uh, one of those type of films that was heavily influenced by two streams of thought. One is post-World War One and how horrible a war it had it had been and how that sort of twisted people into human monsters. I mean, that's sort of the subtext of the whole film. And then it was also heavily influenced by German expressionism, which is to say with the black and white movies, like all of the, the stylistic lighting and shadow and just the type of 
of home that the Karloff character is in uh, is a big part of that movie as well. What's weird about it is that even though the black cat is the title of the movie, there's a black cat in the movie for probably 10 seconds. Uh, the rest of it has to do with this uh, poor couple that ends up running into uh, Karloff and Lugosi's characters. Well, yeah, who's, who's the movie star is sort of, I think people would find cool. I mean, you just said it, but I don't think you mentioned the fact that it's a, it's a Karloff and Lugosi headlining Oh, yeah. Movie. It's one of the, the few where they're, they're essentially co-starring and ultimately facing off against one another. And that this, too, is one of those films that um, it was just barely pre-code. And even so, the censors really try, had a, a devil of a time trying to deal with what could be let into this movie. And there's... There's lots of backstage stuff about this one as well, where evidently uh, Carl Lemley, who was the president of Universal, was away, like overseas or on a vacation or something, or maybe he was sick in the hospital. But either way, he wasn't around for most of the production. So the crew tried to get as much stuff crammed in while he was gone. And by the time he came back, it was too late. I mean, they couldn't do reshoots, so they had to just try and get this movie through. But it's got, you know, there's implied satanic activity. Uh, there's implied torture. And and just Almer, the director, just has this great sense of, um, like, what makes a scene creepy or unsettling. And sometimes it's silence. You know, sometimes you've got a point of view shot going through parts of the house and it's completely quiet. And that's creepy in its own right. So, Black Cat. Have you seen Black mm -hmm. Cat? I, I saw it last year, I think, or the year before. Yeah. It's a very creepy movie. And it's, it's, it's not your typical 30s, 40s horror movie. It's, it's another step. And I think, I think it's, it deserves a lot more attention than it gets. It's it's creepy. Mm -hmm. And very heavily implied satanic stuff. I think you're like, it, it alludes to it. It's like, yeah. they never say it because I don't think they're allowed to at right. that point, but that's like... They wanted to do more. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the... <laughs> like the shooting script and stuff, they, they definitely wanted to go farther than they could. But... Um, and more of a psychological horror movie than mm -hmm. than like a Dracula or a Frankenstein. And Almer's the director of Detour, which is a great yes. film noir film that if you just want to throw in is also like an hour long. Mm -hmm. Great movie. Yeah, they get he does so much with so very little in that mm -hmm. film. Um, yeah, Black Cat's short too, isn't it? It is, yeah. And probably due, in fact, to, in part, at least, to what they had to leave out of the movie that they probably wanted to include. I forget how you find out how long the movie. So, uh, last but certainly not least on my list um, is the only Bigfoot movie 
that um, I'm, we're going to put into this marathon. It is The Creature from Black Lake from, I believe, 1976. It is uh, starring Dennis Fimple as Pahu and um, uh, Elam. Well, I can't think of his first name, but he's uh, Joe Canton, the trapper. Mm -hmm. And... Um, the guy who plays Reeves, I can never remember his name. Carson, I think, is his last name. But anyway, it tells the story in a fictionalized way of these two college college students, <laughs> quote-unquote, driving in their van down to uh, Louisiana to investigate a sort of Legend of Boggy Creek-esque monster that's reportedly on the loose. And these guys end up in trouble with the local law enforcement um, eventually uh, trying to hook up with the young ladies in the town, and then it all spirals out of control in the last act of the movie. And that's where it really begins to be more of a thriller-slash-horror film, which I think it accomplishes pretty well, actually. It, it's um, the use of day for night, and shadows, and you rarely, if ever, glimpse the creature full-on. You might get a few flash seconds of the creature's face, and that's that's it in terms of actually seeing the monster, which those 70 movies, 70s movies seem to do very well in concealing rather than showing everything. And I don't know, I just, I'm super fond of it. It's almost my go-to Bigfoot movie, even... Legend of Boggy Creek, I mean, that's that's a classic in its own right, but in terms of just, like, sheer fun and intentional humor blended with a lot of thrills, it's hard to beat Creature from Black Lake. This movie terrified me as a little kid, like, like no other has since. Like, I am so scared of this movie when I was little, because it gets spooky at the end if you're six years old but it's great it's great the sort of we're gonna go look for the monster element the like the that is just great and it's in the south it's all around great movie yeah it was i think written i'm, I'm pretty sure then directed produced by jim mccullough jr who actually is in the movie also as the son of the family uh, where they they end up having their long-awaited chicken dinner <laughs> and um, I don't know I think that it's what's so impressive to me about Creature from Black Lake is there had to have not been much of a budget for this film but what they did with it was was really incredible you know I think they made a a real quality movie going on and, and it's on site you know they they filmed it at Caddo Lake, which a lot of the Legend of Boggy Creek scenes were shot there as well. At least some of them were. So you have it it places itself in a sense, it's not shared I'm not claiming it's a shared universe with the Legend of Boggy Creek, but you can almost feel like it is because of the era and the overlap in locations, and you just get that swampy, deep south feel to it. Um the Joe Canton character, I think, could come across as a caricature, but is also, I think, pr 
pretty believable in that. And there's that scene where he's in his own shack and he's like shooting out the back door and it's just all like mossy and slimy and he's mossy and slimy. And you just believe like this guy lives out there by himself. Mm -hmm. I, you, you buy in pretty fast that this is pretty much the life this guy lives. Um, so he has the inside track on what's going on out there in the bayou. So Creature from Black Lake is a great suspenseful kind of last movie on the list right before you go to bed, <laughs> unless you're six years old. And then you don't go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> you keep seeing the van rolling down the hill over and over again. So that can get you started. If you haven't seen any or a few of those movies, highly recommend all of them and makes for a pretty fun Halloween night to go down wherever you, you view movies for a long time for us, or for five years anyway, it was go down in the basement, turn off your outside lights so that no trick-or-treaters come to the door, and just marathon monster movies until you fall asleep. Well, Andy, thank you for joining me on this uh, special edition of Monster Study Group. Um, if anybody wants to kind of keep up with you on what you're, well, what you're up to at a given moment, what, how can they do that? I think the best way that if people are interested in seeing how my life's going is to check out my Instagram at I am Matsky. Um, I also have a Twitter, which is just at Andy underscore Matsky. And that's about it. I don't use Twitter that much anymore, but if you want to read through what I was thinking a few months ago, <laughs> it's a time, go treat yourself. It's a time capsule. Yeah. Remember when I tweeted that 2020 seemed like it was going to be an interesting year and <laughs> then this happened? It was a fun time. Yeah. Well thank, well, thank you for having me. And of course. This was a great time. Yeah. Maybe I'll come back some other time to the studio where we are right now, somewhere in our house. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank, thank you. <laughs> well, there you have it. Our conversation about Halloween movie marathons between myself and my son, Andy. I think you could tell we were both having a lot of fun. And it was really cool to be behind the microphone with him once more. Well, I hope you have a happy and safe Halloween, no matter what you decide to do. Thanks so much for joining me on this first season of Monster Study Group. I would recommend that you follow me on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, just look up Monster Study Group. You'll be sure to find it. And that will give you the latest information about whatever is coming next. Also, every week I post a little thumbnail describing my contribution to Monster Kid Radio, and we're just going to be working through each Ultra Series as it comes until Derek Cook tells me that's enough. And hopefully that day won't come any day soon. So once again, I really appreciate everyone who's reached out, who said that they've listened and enjoyed the show. Uh, it's been a labor of love, and I hope that that comes through. Until next time, keep
keep studying monsters.